the project. Kuwait. Learn. What are electromagnetic frequencies? First of all, the Earth has its own electromagnetic field. It's called the Schumann resonance. It resonates at about 7.3 hertz, give or take. So what we're talking about in my line of work is what we call non-native EMFs. So all of these electrical fields that are man-made and that the human body has not evolved with. There is a device where you can detect EMF signals within your home. One is called a tri-field meter and one is called a coronet meter. Those are two different brands. You can get them for about 170 bucks. Now I'm thinking like people's safety, like I need to educate them. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, you know what you're being exposed to? Like take care of yourself. When my sleep got so severe and I started blocking blue lights, it was the beginning of my recovery from decades-long bout with insomnia. That's a really good point. We had to have rules. I mean, in Kuwait, it's like off the charts, the addiction to phones. (laughs) Electromagnetic frequency. Say that five times fast, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. All this and more in today's episode. Kathy, welcome to the show. I think you could probably give a better introduction for yourself and what your background is, especially when it comes to electromagnetic frequency. Say that five times fast, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I am a holistic nutritionist and a certified building biology environmental consultant and electromagnetic radiation specialist. I am basically helping people in all areas of their health, but I became a building biologist to look at the environmental impact that so many people are not addressing. So we can do everything right. Our diet's awesome. Our exercise routine is amazing. Our mental health is great. But if we're not addressing our environment, it's a very, very big piece in people's health and performance. Yeah. So that's what I do, helping people in all of those areas with their health. It's been a huge piece. I know for me, working with clients is trying to get them to understand that as well. It's the load that you're under in that environment being the huge part of what's going to shape you. I think that's something that we all kind of take for for granted. Yeah. How your environment, yeah, what stress loads are coming at you and things that are hard to control, you know, water and air quality and things. That's not something that you can change in the moment. But what are some things in your environment that you do have some control over or to be aware of at least? Yeah. So as a building biologist, I look at both air quality and that would include water as well. And it seems like that's not something that we can tackle, but the indoor air inside your home is always dirtier, always more toxic than the outside air. So yeah, I mean, we think, oh, cars are driving by and there's exhaust. But when we bring products into our home, by and large, they're petroleum-based products or they're chemical-based products. So carpet, our furniture, particle board and our building materials, even like our drywall paint. I mean, all of this stuff is chemically based and it definitely impacts the air quality in a really, really big way. So there is a lot of things that you can do. One is being aware of the items that you're purchasing. You know, if you can buy a solid wood table versus particle board or pressed wood, or if you can have hardwood floors or cork floors versus carpet, that's really huge, actually. And then just ventilation, opening windows, having a good quality air filter, all of those things. There's a lot that we can do that we're not considering. But then the EMF piece, of course is huge. So many things that we can do to reduce our exposure. And what I hear so many times from people when we're talking about this is they say, well, it's everywhere. Pull up my computer and I'm getting 30 Wi-Fi signals. So why even bother? And we can get into you know, the fact that that's actually 
not really indicative of the impact that you're getting. The sensor in your computer is amplifying the reading that you're getting. It's not actually you're getting that much exposure as you think. So starting in your home environment is really, really important because it, with a lot of this, it's the proximity. The closer you are to the device, the exponentially larger exposure you're getting. So there's a lot you can do in your What are electromagnetic frequencies? Like, it's obviously like a frequency, but like, how does it, how can you describe it <laughs> to like, yeah, to, yeah. to someone like myself that has absolutely no clue? I just think of squiggly lines hitting me in the head. Yeah, sure. Well, honestly, that's kind of a good way to visualize it. So electromagnetic fields, well, first of all, the earth has its own electromagnetic field. It's called the Schumann resonance. It resonates at about 7.3 hertz, give or take. So it's basically, when we think of the poles, you know, the North and the South Pole, they're magnetic. So the earth has this own magnetism. And when you think about the body, the body has its own electromagnetic field. So the body communicates via electricity. Somebody is in cardiac arrest or they have a flatlined, the paramedics or anybody who's doing CPR on this person might use a defibrillator to send electricity through the heart to get the heart going again. So our body uses electricity and this is an electromagnetic field. Essentially, EMS are light. It's all in the light spectrum. So the sun has its own EMF. It's, the light is an electromagnetic frequency. So what we're talking about in my line of work is what we call non-native EMFs. So all of these electrical fields that are man-made and that the human body has not evolved with. So if we're in connection with the Earth's own magnetic field, that's great. That's, there's a lot of anti-inflammatory effects from that, really, really generating for our nervous system. But that's getting in touch with that. Sorry. That's like, you know, barefoot outside or that's like kind of the ones I've heard of. What? Yeah. Are there any other techniques I suppose to get in touch with that? Earthing, grounding. Uh, no, not really. Not really. I mean, you just have to be barefoot on the ground. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we evolved with that and that's what our, you know, our body understands that frequency and it, it is very good for us. When we introduce all of these non-native frequencies and we're talking about radio frequencies from things like Wi-Fi and cell phones and Bluetooth. But we're also talking about electrical wiring in our homes, magnetic fields, high-tension power lines, these kinds of things that give off these man-made EMFs that our body does not know what to do with because it's a new piece of communication that we don't understand. And some of the, the criticism I get is, well, this stuff has been around for a hundred years. And so, you know, People aren't dying from it. And I'm saying exactly my point. This has only been around for a hundred years versus how many, you know, millions of years of human evolution. This is brand new to us. And I would argue that the health of people in industrialized places, the health of, of us over the last 100 years is declined considerably, not just because of this, you know, right. topic, but it's not helping us put it that way. So I have a quick question now. I've heard this on other shows and I've read articles about it, that there is a device where you can detect EMF signals within your home, correct? Correct. And is it is it accurate? What is it called? You know, for most okay. of the listeners, like we don't have it in Kuwait, I guarantee that. So at least they could probably get one yeah. on Amazon or something. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Well, they're just basically EMF meters um, and they're small meters and they range from $100 and then, you know, the meters that I use when I'm assessing a person's home are several thousand dollars a piece. And I have like four different meters. So if you wanted to get like a, just a meter, you can get them on Amazon. The ones I recommend are 
One is called a Trifield meter and one is called a Cornet meter. Those are two different brands. You can get them for about 170 bucks and it will tell you how much radio frequency you have from our wireless devices, the magnetic fields that come off our wiring and electric fields that come off our wiring. And I think that's a great investment for people to put their money towards so that you can just get a sense of what's going on in my environment and can I reduce this? Who's at risk the most of it like affecting then? Yeah, well, you know, that's a really excellent question. And my instinct when people ask me this is typically say children, of course, because, you know, their skulls are still developing. There's more access to the brain from these EMFs. Children, elderly, and people who have chronic health conditions. However, that is that doesn't always line up with the people that I see. So I'm working with clients who contact me because they're extremely electrically sensitive and they don't fit that model. I did an assessment last week on a guy's home who's a local contractor here, you know, has his own business building homes. He's a big, burly, 200 something pound guy. He's doing CrossFit, he's exercising, but just one day he was using his phone and just one day it just triggered him. And he can't use his phone anymore because he gets severe, severe headaches when he puts his cell phone to his head. Interesting. And, and yeah, like where did this come from? He doesn't have any chronic health conditions. He's very, very healthy. And I see that quite a bit. So while I feel like the chronically challenged are, are a little bit more at risk, it's affecting everybody across the board. And so I don't really see that there's a really clear answer to that because I'm seeing it affect everybody. Have you seen more effects after they introduced 4G and 5G? Yes, 4G for sure. So 5G is a little bit tricky. So here in Idaho, it's rolled out a little bit and Boise where I'm at. You know, we've got like maybe 100 5G small cells within, I don't know, 20 miles or so. So it's still kind of sparse. So the jury's still out on that because a lot of us aren't getting that exposure. But with 4G, absolutely. It, a huge increase. What was that? Like, I guess, what were the tip-offs of noticing like when that happened or what? Was it just like symptoms that people are talking um, about with use of their devices? Right. Or? Yeah, exactly. The symptoms, symptomology and awareness because people are starting to associate their symptomology with their devices. And I think the thing with the 4G is that that was kind of the advent of smartphones. Mm-hmm. And part of the issue there is when we had just flip phones, we could only text. We weren't looking at our phone 24 hours a day. And people are have it in their pocket. They, I have a client that sleeps with it under their pillow. I mean, that, that's so common. Or they charge it right next to them. I mean, it's on your person pretty much all the time. I'm guilty that of charging it right next to me. How bad is that? Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to grow uh, another got, head or something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've gotten I'm really totally good. Guilty. I used to be that person where it would sleep probably, yeah, right on the bed with me. But now I don't even have right. it in the same room. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's out of my bed. Yeah, now. I recommend... Well, there's two ways you can do it. Put it in another room or you can... Keep it in airplane mode with Wi-Fi off and Bluetooth off, and that's going to dramatically decrease it. But it's surprising how much electric field you will get from that cord. I just did a posted a video on YouTube about showing my meter when I was testing just a phone charging cord that was next to the bed, and it increased it. I mean, I was getting like 80 volts per meter, which you don't really need to know what that means, but we want that number to be under 0.3, actually wow. 160 times higher than what we want. Wow. So just and move it. That's while it's charging a phone or that's just while it's there? <laughs> oh, just while it's there. Phone doesn't even have to be plugged in. Wow. If it's plugged into the wall, that cord is giving off a really high field. 
Wow. I know. It's crazy. I'm like looking at all my cords right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Freaked out, like want to rip them all out. I know, I know. right? It's something we never think of. I'm looking at my podcast room and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's all wires. <laughs> so now looking at that and I just finished building my home and we're actually moving too. And I didn't know any of this. So what are some of the things that I could do now to kind of offset whatever damaging EMF signals are within the house from the wiring from whatever? Are you kind of screwed, you know, at the end of the day? Or is there a way out of it in a cheap manner? Mm -hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot. You you know, if you're building a new house, you would have a great opportunity to actually piece of metal. And that actually stops the electric fields and the dirty electricity almost completely, which is amazing. And people can do that in their homes. But if, like most of us, if we don't have that luxury, distance is key here. So there's something called the inverse square law, which means that uh, the distance that we are from the device, the density, the power density of that drops off dramatically. So what I do, my bed is actually like two feet from the wall. It's a little annoying, but it it's so dramatically less when I have just that much distance versus my head right against the wall where the wires are. Right. So that's one thing you could do. Another is I actually turn my breaker off at night to the bedroom. So that just kills any electricity flowing through the bedroom. I don't need anything electrical in my bedroom at night when I'm sleeping. And then one of the biggest things we can do is like with internet, Wi-Fi is relatively new. Let's say 10 years. I mean, give or take of the fact that everybody has Wi-Fi instead of being plugged in via ethernet. Yeah. And if you go to most office buildings, we still have ethernet cords. So, I mean, I know I'm talking to you on my computer right now, so I can't show you, but I have an Ethernet cord that is plugged into my Wi-Fi router or, well, it's not Wi-Fi. It's plugged into my modem and router and I disabled the Wi-Fi signal. So that has brought me down, let's say, 20,000 microwatts per square meter. Which the microwatts per square meter is how we measure the radio frequency, which is outrageously high to almost zero. So I've completely eliminated it. So hardwiring is great. I realize not everybody's going to do that. And if you can't, just unplug the router when you're not using it. You don't have to have it on at night. And that's the most important. At night, when we're trying to recover, autophagy is happening, lymph drainage from the brain. We don't want these non-native EMFs interrupting those processes. So turn it off at night. You could also enclose it so you can get like a Faraday cage. They make these mesh boxes that are metal. You can put the router right into it. A Faraday cage. Okay. So it's just a box of either stainless steel or aluminum, and you just put the router right into that, or you can drape it with, there's cloth that has silver woven through. And I will often do this with clients that won't get rid of the Wi-Fi. We'll just drape it in one of these cloths or put it in this metal box, and it will reduce your exposure by about 90%, and you'll still get your signal. This is really interesting. I'm just thinking about this. I mentioned earlier that I work with Lulu and I know that they have like on their tags of their clothes, they have like an RFID little measurement or whatever so they can keep yeah. inventory of things. But if there's any, mm. like some of the clothes have a silver component to it mm. to keep it antimicrobial so sweat doesn't, bacteria mm. doesn't grow and it doesn't smell after you sweat. And so it's funny that RFID will not pick up those products if the silver is in front of it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So uh, now I'm like, oh my God, I need to buy all the silver line clothing. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> to protect myself. There's People little- do. That's People interesting do that. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Yeah, okay. They've always just said, yeah, if it's their static X product that it won't pick it up on the RFID, but now it makes sense that... Yeah, it blocks it. 
even thought of those things. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to like tell the whole nice Lulu, nice Lulu ad, Meg. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm thinking now, like now I'm thinking like people safety. Like I need to educate them. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, you know what you're being exposed to. Like take care of yourself. Well, that's interesting that you say that about Lululemon because I do yoga almost daily. And I used to go to studios, but it got to the point where I was like, everybody had their bags in the room with their phones in there and there was wife. And I was like, what are you guys doing? I'm trying to like get into my Zen place and meditate and do my yoga. And there's wicked high radio frequency in here. That's a really so. good point. We had to have rules. I mean, in Kuwait, it's like off the charts, the addiction to phones. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everywhere. That Everywhere. was the hardest rule to get to people when I was living there and we had started the facilities. The hardest rule was getting people to have no phones. So we would have like a basket that everybody would have to put their phones in and we'd have to put yep. them behind the desk and away from everybody so they couldn't grab them. But we also teach that too, like the right after a workout, that next like five minutes or so, like right when you finish all this physical stress on you of taking that time to like not grab your phone. And now, you know, there's yeah. a lot of emotional stress that can come through that of looking at what's on your phone and who needs you and things to be Absolutely. done and whatnot. But now even that frequency, I think interrupting, like you're talking about the recovery process. So I I have a question out of left field, speaking of phones, Meg. What about headsets? Like I'm wicked guilty Mm -hmm. of Bluetooth, Bluetooth Mm -hmm. earbuds. So it's like, Mm -hmm. all right, is Mm -hmm. there a safe Bluetooth earbud? Because I need my music, you know, when I'm working out. If it's putting me at risk, then, you know. Yeah, there's a few components with that. And the main thing is you're putting that right next to your head, right? So in your ear. <laughs> yeah, my, my, I mean, my it's, wife it's would argue. Your brain I don't have, as you can get. My wife would argue I don't have brain cells anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> So how I got into building biology was that I had really severe tinnitus in my left ear for over a decade and nothing would solve it. And so I would, you know, lay down at night and I had severe insomnia as well. And it would just my the ringing in my ear was just caught. I mean, it kept me up all night. It was absolutely maddening. And then when I started to research into the EMFs a little bit, I was looking into it for my sleep. I stopped using my phone for about a week to see if it impacted my sleep at all. And my tinnitus went away in like three days, just 100% gone. Wow. And I know it was, it absolutely blew my mind. And it was that experience that I said, all right, I got to figure out what this is all about. And so I know when I've got devices to my head, I definitely get symptoms. And so there's no question that it's causing oxidative stress. When I'm talking about distance is key here, if we're putting that stuff up to our head, I'm not a fan. I mean, the point is, is like we have options. You can still have your music, be it wired. It's a little bit more convenient, but why risk it? I mean, right. you know, we could plug it in. That makes sense. You know? Listen to the music that's in the gym. <laughs> yeah, <Hello. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think we're all kind of like, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it actually do to a central nervous system? Like how does it affect our central nervous system? I work at an oil company. My day job is with an oil company. And it's funny because I just moved offices two weeks ago and we had this huge radio tower. Literally, I'd say about 300, 400 feet away from my window. Beautiful view. And there was just this big ass radio tower, like 400 feet. And I could have sworn that that was the reason why my sleep was disrupted and I just felt crummy because I'd come home on the weekends. I'd feel great by Sunday. Mm. So I really attributed it. I was attributing it to what I was exposed to, that I was exposed to something within my office that was just draining me. 
I mean, it just essentially felt like I'd go into work, I'd have full batteries, and then I'd be drained by the end of the day. Well, I would say that your intuition on that one was probably right on. I mean, if if it was right there, you're getting blasted a huge, huge amount of exposure. And when I said I got into this because I was trying to figure out my sleep, it was the night and day difference when I hardwired everything and got got a lot more distance from all these devices. My sleep was so much better, exponentially better. So as far as the central nervous system, so what EMFs are doing to us on a cellular level, and this is primarily the work of Dr. Martin Paul that I'm going to talk about, and that's Martin Paul, P-A-L-L. He's a professor emeritus from Washington State University. And so what he has discovered is that the EMFs, the non-native EMFs are negatively impacting our voltage-gated calcium channels. So what that means is all of our cells are kind of guarded by these voltage gates and there should be a lot of calcium on the outside of the cell. And they will open for specific reasons, but they shouldn't primarily be closed. These gates are closed to prevent the calcium from flooding into the cell because we, we need the calcium on the outside, not the inside. So when we have an exposure of these EMFs, and it doesn't take long, 10 to 30 minutes, these voltage gates will actually be open and the calcium floods into the cell. And then we get a significant amount of oxidative stress downstream from that. And so how this manifests with individual people is going to present very differently. Everyone's symptoms are going to be different, but essentially it's this overwhelming amount of oxidative stress. And, you know, a lot of the research has been done on 30 minute hour long exposures, but we know now that we've got 24 seven exposure. So then I mean, this oxidative stress will affect every part of our body. And so for the central nervous system, we know it affects our neuronal cells and cell apoptosis. And a lot of research out there showing decrease or altered um, TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, T3, T4. So it really disrupts your HPA axis, your HPT axis. It's just affects all of our cells. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think me it and Meg is. had the same expression of we're just going to take that in for a second. I'm just yeah. looking around. I'm just like wires and cords. Oh my God. And Meg's, yeah. Meg's lucky. Yeah. I mean, you she moved back to the States. You guys have building yeah. codes out there in Kuwait. It's kind of right. like a free for all. Like, we have right. zero building codes. We've got oil refineries. A lot of shortcuts taken. Yeah. We, yeah. We're, we live in one of the most polluted countries in the world. I think it was ranked mm. like 12 or 13 when I checked the rankings. Oh, my gosh. And it's because we don't have any regulations. And, you know, when we go to Boston, like when we go to the States for the summer, I feel great. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, you I think it's a big part of what the country has been through as well. I mean, we and we had Maddie's cousin actually on a while ago, an episode about thyroid cancer. And and it was interesting because there there actually is an alarming rate or group of, I think, females in particular that were there during the invasion that have had issues with thyroid, thyroid mm. cancer. I mean, so it's just, yeah. you know, what kind of things, how long does it take for something you say, you know, relatively new, 100 years, but like how long does, you know, does it take for things to start showing right. up? Right, yeah. right, right. And well, you know, that's an important point because like not everybody's going to have these symptoms, not obvious symptoms like I did, like my tinnitus and my sleep. I mean, I know if I've been in a high EMF environment all day, I know because my ear will start ringing and I'm like, oh, there's my, there's my cue. But so many people are like, well, I feel perfectly fine. So what, I don't need to worry about it. And well, I mean, I think it's great that you don't have symptoms. I wish I didn't have symptoms, but what's the long-term risk? Are we going to start to have autoimmune issues? Are we going to start to have thyroid issues? Are we going to start to have cancers or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. And some people will live their whole life and they'll use Bluetooth every day and they'll use Wi-Fi every day in their phones and be perfectly fine and not have any symptoms or health problems. 
Right. And they're, you know, just like somebody could smoke three packs a day and never get lung cancer. Live, yeah. live till they're um, 90. <laughs> I've, right, I've, right, I've seen it. Right, yeah. My great grandmother, yeah. she smoked till she was like 80 and that's, or 75 and she decided to quit. And she was like, oh my gosh, smoking like two packs of Lucky Strikes too. So wow. <laughs> she wow. was old school. Wow. So, I mean, she right. probably would have smoked, but until the day she died, but she quit. And it's funny because yeah. genetics play a huge factor in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. They do. Yeah. Some of us will get out of this unscathed, but I'm not willing to take the risk. And I certainly wouldn't. I mean, what I'm most concerned about, honestly, is children that are being born today that are going to be growing with it in all of their development phases. They're going to be exposed to this and never get a reprieve. And they're going to be with it all their life. And they're exposed to it a lot more because kids aren't outside as much as they used to be. Like for me, I try and get my son outside playing as much as possible. And it's like, Mm -hmm. stay outside. If he says, daddy, I want to go to a playground. I'm like, okay, fine. It might be, I just get home from work and he's like, I want to go to a playground. Okay, fine. Because I know being outside, he's not exposed to, like you said, a lot of those toxins that are within the Mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. It's just as healthy for you. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Like if well, he's the motivation, for, yeah. that's great, but it's just as healthy for... Well, if you're on yeah. your phone, like yeah. I usually am, so you kind of negate it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a problem. Yeah. I think like even in schools now, like devices that they use in the, in the States, I mean, like kids don't get books anymore. Everything is done. Yeah. iPads, electronics, all the learning devices. So I can't even imagine in a classroom now, the amount yeah, of people that, absorbing. That really terrifies me. Just the, every single room has a Wi-Fi router. They all have iPads, they all have phones, they all have Fitbits, they all have earbuds. I mean, it's, I can't even believe. And and it's interesting because I've talked to many teachers who have said, who have not really been aware of this topic. And they say, well, that's really interesting because over the course of the last five years, I have noticed a dramatic change in children's behavior, you know, across the board. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I get it. And, And not only from the EMF, but because they're not going outside as much, they're not playing like they used to. They're instead of recess, they're on their phones. They're right. not running around. They're not communicating. They're not using their imagination. I mean, so many, so many reasons it's affecting them. That's a huge, huge takeaway, I think, for people to kind of reassess. Yeah. yeah. What's happening. I mean, you can't obviously you can't so like take your kid out of the classroom and out of the environment, but then what control, like you said, do you have? And it's once they get home, mm-hmm. you know, what and kind of an impact can you have? There are actually a lot of school districts around the world, really, that are starting to reevaluate their yes. Wi-Fi situation. A lot of a lot of schools are going back to hard wiring. You know, this is mostly happening in Europe, but I've seen mm-hmm. some schools in California going that direction. They're not allowing wireless devices like phones in the classroom. So there's some awareness about it. But yeah, it's if you can control just the home environment, especially when you're sleeping, that's going to be majorly impactful, yeah. majorly helpful. You mentioned um, a second Fitbits as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, can you talk a little... I've had a couple of clients that have had like reactions on their skin from mm-hmm. wearing things like that. So not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get my boyfriend to sleep without his. <laughs> Shoot, yes, and he, and he, sleeps, he sleeps much better without it when he does. What about uh, airplane mode? I usually throw mine on airplane mode. For the Fitbit? For the Fitbit or the the, Apple Watch. Like if I don't need to connect to the phone for like my Mm -hmm. data, like I'll connect during the day at certain points or whatever. But usually I keep it on airplane mode. That should definitely help. I haven't tested a Fitbit in airplane mode to verify whether the signal is really gone. Because a lot of this stuff you put in airplane mode, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Bluetooth is not still checking in or whatever. 
if you have airplane mode, I would absolutely do it. You know, like the aura ring, I have an aura ring and I know that you can app, you can put that a hundred percent in airplane mode and I've tested it and there is no signal. So I don't know about the Fitbits. A lot of these things, you, they're really tricky and they're still sending a signal. Even you think you've disabled it. You have a better chance of disabling that signal in airplane mode uh, than otherwise, but I'd probably like to get a meter on there and verify. But if you have the option, I would definitely do it. It's interesting. This is just nice science to back up. I think of like, I talk to people about, you know, getting the messages on their Apple watch or on their Fitbits and things like, do you really need that? (laughs) I know. Well, just from a mindfulness, you know, aspect of just, you know, let's control the amount of yeah, stress that gets put on you in a day. But it's great now that there's some science to back it up to Mm -hmm. be like, listen, it's not just airy-fairy mental stuff I'm talking about. Like, this is actually real, that it can have an impact when it's just on you all the time. So how would this affect athletes and, you know, everyday avid gym goers? I mean, Meg preaches this all the time on the show. Like, ever since I've known you, Meg, like, you're like, you're awesome, dude, when it comes to this stuff and getting people to actually practice it. But how does it affect the everyday gym goer and, you know, possibly their recovery? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to that oxidative stress. So we know that exercise is going to have some some oxidative stress on the body. And, and that's not entirely bad because it's a hormetic stressor and that's a good thing. But it's a different reaction. These non-native EMFs, when we're trying to recover and we're trying to perform well, and we've got this extra oxidative stress happening, it's not allowing us to perform at our best. And, you know, a lot of your listeners probably do CrossFit. And I think that's awesome, especially, you know, in a lot of CrossFit gyms, you'll have the doors wide open and you're getting a lot of fresh air. You're going outside sometimes. And that's completely different than any standard gym that you're going into where there's no fresh air, it's cinder block, and you've got Wi-Fi routers everywhere, all of your machines. Yeah. I mean, I stopped going to the gym like 10 years ago because I couldn't even find a machine to get on that didn't have a Wi-Fi. And so you've got, I don't know, 50 machines that are all sending out a signal, everybody's phone, everybody's Fitbit. It's like, it is off the charts. So if you're going into any senior gym, maybe you're only going in there for 30 minutes or an hour, but why not go outside? Why not do CrossFit where you don't have to get on a machine? Or I just exercise primarily outdoors now for all of the reasons that we're talking about that, you know, the light exposure, less stress, more you know, mental, yeah, fresh air, mental clarity. So it's affecting athletes and gym goers just like everybody else. But I think we're actually getting a a little bit more of a hit from it. Mm -hmm. So let's like seasonally, I guess with that, like I live in Minnesota, winters are brutal. Maddie is in Kuwait where summers are brutal. You know, so those timings of like, you know, in, in Idaho as well, you get seasons, you know, at times like, what do you do, I guess, for earthing and grounding in a time where it's maybe more difficult yeah. during the seasons or for working out outside or what are some of the, the steps right. that you help people keep that up year round? Yeah, that's a good question. So, well, the first thing I typically tell people is don't be afraid of extreme heat or extreme cold within reason. I mean, cold thermogenesis and heat, heat shock proteins. I mean, these are good things. We want, we don't want to be at a comfortable 70 degrees year round, right? We need these extreme exposures for so many health reasons. And uh, for circadian rhythm too, we need to know what time of day it is, what time of year it is. I used to live in Alaska for six years and I would still go outside and exercise in the middle of winter. If it got below, you know, negative 30, of course, that's not happening. But (laughs) I mean, most of the year you can still get outside to some degree. And if you're uncomfortable for 30 minutes, I encourage people to do that. Mm -hmm. As far as the grounding goes, that's a really tricky topic because Grounding in and of itself these days is not necessarily always a good thing because, for example, here in the U.S., we send 
current through the ground back to the substations. So our ground is not the Schumann resonance as it used to be because we've got this current going through the earth. This is a topic where different experts will kind of disagree and say you should do it anyway. And other experts say, no way, you're putting yourself into contact with that current and that's not a good idea. So if your location would matter getting outside of the city, you know, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Generally, but that is, it's tricky. Every place is different. I mean, if you're on the beach, Typically, I'm saying on the beach, absolutely. Bury your whole body in the sand. It's awesome. <laughs> if you're out in the country, you typically are going to have a better response, but you, there's still high tension power lines and you know there's still infrastructure out into the rural areas a lot of times. At the end of the day, we say, try it and see how you feel. If you okay. feel worse, don't do it. If you feel better, awesome, because everybody's different on this. And some people in the same neighborhoods will say, well, I feel way better when I ground. And their neighbor will say, well, I feel much worse. So it's just kind of a trial and error thing. When you talk about the feeling, what is the feeling? How would you best like describe that feeling? Like some people will say, oh, is is it tired? Well, I'm tired all the time or, you know, I'm tired Mm -hmm. because of work or whatever. So what could best describe that feeling? So our listeners kind of have an idea of, okay, well, maybe I'm overexposed. So I need to look at my surroundings a little bit. Mm -hmm. Good question. Well, it's different for everybody, unfortunately. So I have clients that will go into a room and they will know immediately. They'll start to get pressure. They'll start to get like a cortisol surge. They'll get headaches. I mean, they know immediately when they walk into the room. And it's just kind of, they explain it as just kind of this, like they feel like the air is gone, like they're suffocating. Tight and tense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I'm not that sensitive. I can't go into a room and tell you whether there's something on or not. But the symptoms I get, when I used to work on my computer, on my lap, I would have my laptop on my legs and I'd be working on Wi-Fi. And it would take me about 20 minutes before I would just get so stinking irritable. I mean, like I just wanted to jump out of my skin and strangle somebody, just just cranky. And it wasn't another 10 years after that experience of how I used to work on the computer that I put that together. It's like, oh, it was the EMF exposure and all of the you know magnetic field from my computer. So irritability, the most common symptoms that I see from people, irritability, insomnia, tinnitus, anxiety, depression, headaches. Those are the big ones. But you know, again, everybody's presentation is going to be a little bit different. But if you have any of those that you just can't figure out, I would definitely look into is that so as a building block because you're a nutritionist as well? I mean, you've got a background in a lot of different areas of health. So is it is nutrition still kind of the foundation you try to sort out first, or is it EMF that you look to first? Or what's kind of the building block of like process of elimination, I guess? Because you know, anxiety, depression, irritability, all these things you're mentioning. I'm yeah. thinking like food intolerances, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. lack yeah. of movement, you know, lack of healthy relationships. Like I can walk into a room and feel really irritable too, based on you know who's in that room and the energy yeah. they give up, you know. So what are yeah. some of the building blocks, I guess, of or process of elimination? Yeah, that's really that makes it really challenging because we have so many things that are causing similar symptoms. <sighs> Gosh, it's so hard. I mean these, everybody again is going to be different. You know, if I take wheat out of my diet, that might have a much more profound impact than the EMF exposure Mm -hmm. for somebody else. So, you know, I've got clients I'm thinking about one in particular who a lot of her symptoms, I mean, really the majority of her symptoms, and I'm talking like headaches and migraines were coming from her EMF exposure and she eats like crap. Keep telling her, I'm like, well, we got to look at your diet, but she's not willing to change that. But when she changed her EMF 
the EMF exposure she was getting, it pretty much stopped her headaches. But if you've got someone who's gluten and dairy intolerant and they keep eating it and they've cleaned up their EMF environment, they're still going to have those symptoms. So really, we got to address all of the aspects, unfortunately. If we want to kick ass and be awesome and perform well, we have to eat right. We got to have movement and we got to manage our environment. Well, and I think you said it basically, like you can look at it right now, like what are you willing to work with right now? And if food is, Mm -hmm. you know, something that you're willing to play with and go for then then start there. If the EMF is something you're right. like, great, I can handle this versus changing my diet right now, I'll start there. Or, you know, great, yeah. getting outside for a walk is what I can commit to right now, I'll start there. Right, um, exactly. So I think exactly. that's that's helpful to know that, yeah, it's, it's all going to play a part. Mm-hmm. What about like any supplements or things though? I mean, mm-hmm. on the topic of nutrition, things that can help offset maybe some of those yeah. exposure from EMF? For sure. So there are some really helpful supplements. And I will say that the earlier question about who does this affect people with chronic conditions, people with Lyme or heavy metal exposure, mm. autoimmune issues, they typically are going to experience more impact from this because their, their buckets are already full, right? right. They're, they're already have so many stressors on their body and adding one more via these EMFs just kind of can tip them over doing the work of chelating those heavy metals or addressing the Lyme or your hormone balance, getting these things back into balance can help a lot with symptoms. And then additionally, if you wanted to add some supplements in there, well, antioxidants are obviously going to be really important because we're helping to combat that oxidative stress that's happening. Some of the really great ones would be like rosemary. Rosemary tincture can be really awesome. Things like glutathione or or this can support your liver and liver detoxification and antioxidants are awesome. Are you guys familiar with the work of Dr. Jack Cruz? Mm -mm. No. So he's a neurosurgeon, really popular in the US, talks everything, cold thermogenesis and movement. And anyway, he's really, really big into EMFs and he recommends astaxanthin a lot. Kind of an obscure supplement. You get it from like shellfish. Like if you ever eat shrimp, okay. eat, eat the tails. Honestly, okay. I eat the tails. Okay. They're really, really high in astaxanthin. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, they're, it's awesome. <laughs> and keratin and all these other omega-3s. What else? There's coriander, there's propolis. There's a couple of French supplements like carbon 60. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. Carbon 60 and what else? Just, uh, you know, polyphenols from vegetables like cocoa and green tea and yeah. So it's funny, we say supplements and I think a lot of people think of like taking a pill or a powder or something, but mm-hmm. what it sounds like is a lot of these are just foods that you can- Yeah, you can get them a lot of foods, but yeah. you know, when I fly, so when you get on an airplane, you're getting one of the biggest hits you can possibly get. You're in a metal box, yeah. way high in the sky, everybody's got their phone on and there's a Wi-Fi router. It is, it's so obnoxious. So when I fly, I kind of load up on these. I'll take some glutathione. I take my rosemary tincture. I take some astaxanthin. You know, I just load up because flights can be really tough for people. That's so funny because I feel like, I don't know, I think of one of the things that just totally brings me up and makes me really happy. And it's like, there's nothing glamorous about airport travel or anything, but like taking off on a plane, like I just, Mm -hmm. I love travel and it's probably the excitement Mm -hmm. of wherever I'm going, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. I can sleep on a plane, no problem. I don't mind it at all, but that's really funny to hear about that. That probably is like the worst, but I always feel like shit after. So that's probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when I land, I'm yeah. like, <laughs> but like the process yeah. of getting on it and just, yeah, the flight, like I get very excited about that. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I agree. I mean, it's super exciting yeah. to take off because you're like, yeah. what's next? What's, this is a great adventure. <laughs> but I actually, I don't even go through the TSA scan. 
I have a, I just asked for a pat down. Yep. And they do it. No problem. It's never been a problem. Um, I mean, I know people are like, well, you're going up into a plane in the sky. Like, isn't that exposure way worse? It's like, yeah, but you know, in building biology, we say any reduction is worth it. It's better. Yeah. 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 Moving the bed away from the walls was one, you know, hard wiring is going to be better. Avoiding the the TSA scanner is another one, you know, not sleeping with your phones or watches or things on you or in the room. Are there any other kind of things to think about for? Yes. I just like to challenge people in their cell phone use and not just for the EMF exposure, but like you're saying, you know, that constant stimuli, people have a really difficult time with this, but phone addiction is a very real thing right? That dopamine rush from those pings that you're getting that you got a message. I challenge people to ask themselves, are you happier the more you're on your phone? Or, you know, how do you feel if you put that down, turn it off, go outside, play with your kids a little bit more, even, you know, watch your favorite show, whatever it is. I think that a lot of us could really benefit from disconnecting more. Even, you know, I I tell people once a month, have a tech-free, totally tech-free night you turn off the electricity in the house, no devices, no screens, no computers. You light candles, you play a board game, you talk to your family, whatever. Those nights are, I mean, people report to me that it's, that they have such awesome experiences. Yeah. Those nights, just because they're connecting with their family, they're doing something kind of outside the box. They're not looking at their phone every five minutes. Really, really awesome stress reliever. kind of, you can be creative and use your mind and So yeah, just challenging people to kind of disconnect a little more and evaluate how connected they are. Because we shouldn't be on call 24-7, right? Right. And we feel like we have to be these days. So you you brought up a good point too, with the whole, you know, switching everything off at night. And I've always wanted to try this and I just got to talk my wife into it. Switching off the lights and starting to use candlelight at night for the blue light, that stuff, just because circadian rhythm and everything. I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, that's how we live. All of a sudden, we've introduced all the stimuli at night. So could you say like when people do that and they have a tech-free night, you know, they experience better sleep and everything, could that just be a combination of everything of the blue light, the EMF signals and all of that? And what's your stance on blue light? I am a huge advocate of blocking blue light. In fact, that was one of when my sleep got so severe and I started blocking blue lights, it was the beginning of my recovery from decades long bout with insomnia. So I've got like probably five or six pairs of different kinds of blue light blocking glasses. And yeah, you know, I've got one in my car, one in my purse, three in my house. I mean, I won't go anywhere without them because it's so massively impactful. And if I'm out in the evening and I don't have my glasses on, I probably won't sleep that night or it'll take me three or four hours to fall asleep. I mean, it's so dramatic for me. And, you know, I know not everybody's quite that severe, but across the board, I mean, everyone that I have referred glasses to or minimizing their exposure, I haven't had anyone say that it didn't impact them. I mean, every single person who does this has said, wow, I didn't realize that my sleep was as poor as it was until I started to block this blue light. So candlelight, I think is awesome. The light spectrum in candles is much different than our artificial light bulbs. And so we can see the candlelight at night and it's not going to impact our circadian rhythm. It's not going to suppress melatonin like the artificial overhead lights will because it's a completely different spectrum. And we're supposed to see candlelight at night. We're supposed to be f- see fire at night because, you know, that's how we evolved, having fires yeah. in the evenings. I think it's major. And not only that, but mitochondria health, just, cert- you know, central nervous system response and just the um, 
kind of general feeling that you get, the mental, the ambiance of it, yeah. right? Totally different. It totally changes your mood. I mean, I see people's mood change and they don't even realize it. So much, much less stressful. And if you're avoiding blue light, you're probably avoiding your computers and your phones at the same time. Well, I was so. just going to say with like, technology now like so on the phone like you can choose the red light at night on your Mm -hmm. phone you can dim some of those you can do the dark mode and things like that is that something that's helping are they just kind of like tricking us into thinking that it's like okay and still feeding the addiction or is it like are they doing a good job or what like I guess would yeah if you're going to use your phone at night absolutely have it it on those modes yeah I mean any so these are all spec I mean blue light I consider an EMF Mm -hmm. you know light is an EMF so like again any reduction is better than none Okay. So if you're gonna use your phone and you are blocking the blue light, good, great. Okay. You know, at least so utilizing least those features is mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. than nothing. Yeah. For sure. So do you do anything online? Like how can people you know reach out to you? I mean, we live mm-hmm. in one of the most polluted uh, countries in the world. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you might, I would love for you to take your little device around oh Kuwait. My God. You, would, oh, <laughs> you wouldn't your come mind. to Kuwait. You'd stay here for a day and you'd run back to the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send someone else to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, uh, I can't imagine. Yeah. So I'm actually, so sleep is my specialty. You know, I got into nutrition and building biology because I was having my own sleep issues for over 10 years, 15 years. And I had to figure it out myself. Like you guys have talked about a lot on the show, you know, conventional, the conventional medicine model doesn't always help these situations. Our doctors don't know about EMFs and you know, air quality. I'm in the process of developing a sleep course, an online sleep course. It's titled uh, The Sleep Easy Method. And I'm probably going to launch it sometime in February or March. And it goes through eight modules, a lot of what we've talked about, circadian rhythm, blood sugar balancing, hormone response, psychological stressors. But I have one whole module specifically on EMS. And I mean, that module alone is worth the whole program because I break it down piece by piece and tell people exactly how to go through their homes and mitigate their exposure and all the different steps they can take from hardwiring completely, or if it's just turning the Wi-Fi off at night, putting a time, you can, you, know, you can put a timer on your Wi-Fi router. So it goes off at 10 every night and comes on at 6am or whatever nice. you want it to be. So that entire module goes step-by-step step in helping people to mitigate. And then if people want to go a little deeper, I recommend they buy a meter like we talked about earlier. And this is best done in person. You, you have a building biologist come to your house, clearly identify what fields you're exposed to and help you uh, remediate. But if that's not an option and somebody can purchase a meter, then we can do something like over Skype or Zoom and just kind of walk you through it and help you find your exposure and then the mitigation strategies to reduce it. Amazing. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. I'd love to bring you back on before you launch the course and kind of give us give our listeners like a synopsis of the course in case they wanted to take it. I mean... I know we have a lot of athletes that listen to our show. We have a good mix of athletes and non-athletes, easy gym goers and people that like psychology, apparently. (laughs) So, so, I mean, it would be awesome if you'd come back on and talk about sleep a little bit and sort of introduce that course and a couple of people will sign up for it. I know in Kuwait, we're still, we're like, what, Meg, you'd say five years, 10 years behind on this stuff? I'd say, yeah, five for sure. Yeah. And the, mm. especially, yeah, health and health and fitness, I would say. Mm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> frustrating. Well, I would say, I mean, across the board, though, I mean, I talk to people every day here that have never heard of blue light before and have right. no idea. It's yep. like, it's where we put our attention. And if we're not interested in learning, we're not going to learn. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. It's 100%. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. This was really fun. I'm happy to have the conversation with you. Yeah, it was great to learn more. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah, it totally Sweet. freaked me out, by the way. Like, I just yeah. want <laughs> I'm just like, oh, man, I'm done. <laughs> I'm about to go. I'm going to go walk to the grocery store now. And I'm yeah. going to my phone at home. I'll have to handwrite my list. <laughs> oh, that's... You don't do that. I'm like, I always need to write my list. <laughs> thank you so much. That was great. Yeah. Thank you guys. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at the Project Kuwait. Thank you. And join us next time.